Welcome to episode 33 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. In this week's episode, Fear God the Most, Worley and Danina will continue discussing how to live with fear in healthy ways. Thanks so much for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. We said last time that we can't escape living with fear, but we do not have to live in fear. And we said those two little words, with and in, were very important. And which word we choose makes a difference on fear's impact on our daily life. So how do we do this? How do we live with fear, but not live uh, being controlled by fear? Uh, We're really in this series trying to understand the emotion of fear. What does healthy fear look like? What does unhealthy fear look like? And in our previous video, we learned that healthy fear stirs us to analyze things and then to act upon what we've analyzed. And in this video, we want to discuss that in order to live with fear, but not in fear, we need to understand that healthy fear stems from a fear of the Lord. So Worley's going to get us started on what what's the fear of the Lord? I get asked that quite often, even in counseling. Well, it's the most important fear that we should have. And God calls all people to this. And it is the fear of God. The scripture says and describes God as being all powerful, mm-hmm. the one who controls life and death the one who's fair and right in all that he does, one who hates sin and injustice. In the the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet has a vision and he sees the Lord and he says when he saw him sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, his response was to say, woe is me, I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And if anyone saw God as Isaiah did in his unveiled glory, we would tremble. We would want to run away, but we would be unable to do so. And we are really unable to do so because there is no place to hide from God. Don't you think this is often what most people think of when they think of fearing God? It's just fearing Big, him, scary God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The position. Right. And they of, should. Of authority that I he's mean, in. And, and, and really we should because God is that powerful. If you think of a, a thunderstorm that barrels in with high winds, well, he's the creator of that. Mm-hmm. He spoke everything into existence just right. from a word from his mouth. Right. So. It takes nothing for him to do mm-hmm. that. So he's yeah. he's powerful in that way. Mm-hmm. But I think most people tend to fear men more than they fear God. And Jesus addresses this. He says that we shouldn't fear men, but we should fear God in Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So that's a pretty serious verse about making sure that our fear of God is elevated over our fear. Of well, it is interesting because in that passage, uh, Jesus was asked about that that happened. What kind of God allows this kind of thing to happen? Because there was uh, a tower that had fallen upon a number of people and killed them. 
And Jesus didn't even talk about what kind of God it was that allowed that to happen. He said, you should fear the God who can cause that to happen. And more than that, the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, I mean, God is to be feared because of who he is. Um, Not enough people live with just a consistent awareness and an ongoing fear of God. And it's because in many, many cases, they don't have a relationship with God. Or if they are a child of God, then they don't know him like they need to get to know him. Uh, When we're saved, we're introduced to this truth from Proverbs, uh, and then we come to know it over time, but that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's in Proverbs 9. We come to know that we can't run from the Lord because he's everywhere. What we learn is to run to the Lord because running to the Lord is the place of safety that God is not a distant God who is merely respected, but he's a personal God whose love is fierce towards us, and it's also a love that changes us. And the fear that we have of him, and this is important, the fear that we have of him as his children is not that he's going to harm us, but an awareness that he could harm us because of the things that I've already discussed. He's a great power and he doesn't like sin or injustice. He's uh, can cause wrath, but that as his children, he doesn't harm us because he has shielded himself from us. Psalm 34, seven says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So fear of God is often misunderstood, even by believers, because we imagine when we hear that, that he's saying that God is like an abusive father um, whose temper and unpredictability causes his children to want to keep their distance. We tend to humanize God. I mean, if if you are somebody who's grown up uh, in a home with a father who was abusive or not loving um, toward you, then it, it, it makes it harder to trust God because we tend to think if this is what my earthly father's like, then this must be what my heavenly father. Yeah, would I think be this like. whole di- this whole issue of of fearing God uh, for the believer gets wrapped up in this principle of if you know who God is as a believer, then you don't you don't fear Him um, because because He's your father. But we hear that sometimes and we think, well, my earthly father wasn't that good. He was distant. He didn't care. He wasn't involved. Or in worst case, he was abusive. Mm-hmm. And it totally distorts the, the reason that we fear God. But the reason that we don't have to fear God as believers as a father because of his goodness to us. C.S. Lewis gives a a better picture of the fear of God in his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I dare say most of you have seen the movie. Perhaps you've read the book, but it describes four children who go into this country, into this land through a wardrobe, through a closet, uh, a magical uh, place. It's a children's book, but this place called Narnia, and it depicts the kingdom of God, and it's a spiritual picture of the kingdom of God. And... In the part of the story, the two girls, Susan and Lucy, are being led by Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, 
to meet the great lion Aslan who depicts who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll pick up with a quote where Susan says, ooh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Miss Beaver. And make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Do you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So the the scriptures, and Lewis depicts this well, says that those who ultimately fear God are the ones who trust him. Mm -hmm. Psalm 147.11 says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Just listen to those words. He takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. And of course, he's talking about believers here, those who are his children. Anyone who's trusted in Jesus, who has the spirit dwelling within them, is able to be aware that God is to be feared above all else. We are those who hope in his steadfast love for us, in his goodness. We are called the children of God. And as any child with a good father, we depend on our father, always loving us, always protecting us, always caring for us. So this verse in Psalm 147, 11 that really just said was that God delights in us and he delights in those who fear us. But I think the irony of this fear for the believer is that Um, We don't have to fear men. We don't have to fear our circumstances because we're in a relationship with the very one who is the most feared. And he's our heavenly father who delights in us, who enjoys us. He has a love for us that is deep and rich and never runs out. He has promised that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's not that father figure who is in your life and out of your life and unstable I mean, he will never leave you or forsake you, no matter what circumstances you're in. Um, this doesn't mean that life with him as our father is always going to be easy. As any good father does, he lets us sometimes struggle mm-hmm. because he wants us to mature. I think as a parent, how often yeah. I want to rescue my yeah. kids from Instead suffering. Of struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at times I've done that and it's it's been a disservice to yeah. you know my children. Um, other times. So he's uh, good in that way. Yes, he is. And the writer of Hebrews says that there are times that God is going to discipline Mm -hmm. us because he loves us and he's going to discipline us so that we're going to let go of all the things Mm -hmm. that are bad for us, that are harmful for us. Mm -hmm. But as we are secure as his children, uh, we will recognize that we belong to him We belong to his family, and therefore we can face any scary things in the world, anything that we fear. And you said as we're secure as his children, the the fact is that his goodness in doing those things for us, his involvement with us is what gives security. Mm -hmm. Just like when we disciplined our kids, Mm -hmm. it is part of what created security for them. They knew we loved them, Mm -hmm. but especially at younger ages, there was a little bit of, I don't want a spanking, or I don't want a time out, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Our Father is, you know, is the same way, except He's perfect in all of that. 
Mm-hmm. So Vicki Kraft urges us to see this clearly when she says, all of our lives, we seem to alternate between the fear of people and circumstances and the fear of the Lord. But she says, the more we fear the Lord and trust in his sovereignty, the less we will be at the mercy of our fears. So Kraft is basically saying that to fear God is to trust him. Mm -hmm. So generally, how do we live with God, our Father, in healthy fear? So we want to give you some just practical application here um, in how do we cultivate this life that trusts God? Yeah, and I would say that sentence, we cult, how do we live with God, our Father, in healthy fear? If, if we could say it in one sentence, how do you live this? Well, we cultivate lives of trust. And so the first thing to cultivate a life of trust is to spend time with them in prayer. And I'm not talking here about just a prayer after a meal or prayer before bedtime. I'm talking about a way of life. I'm talking about a communing relationship prayer where it's ongoing. We talk with him. We pour our hearts out to him. We confess our need for him. We confess our sins to him. We're honest with him about who we are and thankful for who he is and his forgiveness for us, we, in doing this, we're spending time in his presence. And while we don't see him fully now, and and, and we have a sense of him because of the spirit within us, we will one day see him fully. And so we live as if he's right there with us. I like this poem. It says, oh, angel of my God, be near. Amid the darkness, hush my fear. Loud roars the wild, temptuous sea. Thy presence, Lord, shall comfort me. And I know a lot of people that pray, and I often wish I was one of these people, that I wrote in a book what my prayers Mm -hmm. have been, and then I write what my Mm -hmm. answers are. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you see God show up for you, Mm -hmm. it establishes that trust. Mm -hmm. Another thing, many people are uncomfortable praying Mm -hmm. to start with. Mm -hmm. And one of the things uh, that... Uh, Moms in Prayer is known for to help people that are uncomfortable is to pray in short little sentence prayers, just, you know, back and forth where you don't have to pray some long prayer. And we'll often do that uh, just every day when we're praying or we're known for walking and praying. So we get our exercise while we're praying. And if you're not somebody who prays with somebody else, I would even encourage this because it helps you hear and learn how to pray. Um, but this is this prayer part is it's just talking to God, mm-hmm. and we need this needs to be a part if we're going to c- cultivate a life of trust. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we must seek to know Him, and how how do we know God? Well, His Word says in Isaiah, "But this is the one to whom I will look. He was humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word." I mean, we. We get to know him by spending time in his word. And we're without excuse in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that we have mm-hmm. access to the Bible on, mm-hmm. you know, every format that you can want. We have access to people who are teaching the Bible. Uh, so we really are without excuse in, in being able to spend time in his word. And I just want you to think about the fact that I don't, I don't uh, meet somebody new and just automatically trust them. It comes, I trust somebody once I spend time with Mm -hmm. them. Um, You know, I get to know them. They get to know me some. I see how they handle me. I see, you know, 
what what they're like in their life. And because of that, then I'm able to trust them. And, and Danina, this takes time to develop this life of trust. It's not mm-hmm. something that happens quickly. And so if there's younger people who are watching this, understand this is cultivated over time. And it's a process that God's involved in. But we have to be intentional in getting to know him. And as we do so, this fear of the Lord increases because we're seeing him who he is and and he is to be feared, but he's loving. He's so loving to us. The third thing here that we can do and should do is that we take steps of faith by serving God in ways that will undoubtedly stretch us by fearing him more than we fear others. So basically you're saying if there's a scenario that I'm in, Yes. Um, you know, those of you listening are in where maybe you are fearful of a person or you're feel, fearful of a circumstance that we're going to we're going to stretch ourselves by, you know, trusting God enough to step in. Yeah, And it could be anything like um, performing some kind of service in your church to going to help a neighbor to maybe it's to have a conversation that you need to have where you actually confront somebody, but it's a loving thing to do. I'm saying that the things that stretch us are the things that we have to live by faith by, and we step into these things. This is part of what cultivates our trust of the Lord, and it's it's fearing God more than we fear men. And sometimes when I've had to have those conversations— or I can even remember going to graduate school and we'd made a commitment to be back um, to where right. we were living and right. working within a year. And I remember telling you, I fear God right now mm-hmm. more than I fear disappointing all of those mm-hmm. people. Because we, we were yes. going to, but we knew that God was leading us to continue another mm-hmm. year so that you would then be able to go ahead and, mm-hmm. and and get the education. But that, that was really the first experience. I remember realizing I fear God more than I fear because, I mean, I, I don't like disappointing people right? or not doing the responsible right thing according to other people's right. expectations. Right. It was the right and responsible thing to do. It just wasn't what everybody else thought until later people realized, hey, you know what? They were trusting the Lord, and that is exactly what they yeah. needed to be doing. But so, so that's part of the way we do this: is we 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 take these steps of faith, fearing Him, and it will stretch us. Um, there's a story told of a preacher who had become careful in his communicating the word because of a critic in his church. He had let the fear of man overwhelm his fear of God until one day he was confronted by an elderly woman who said, and I can just picture this having been Mm -hmm. someone who preached. There's an elderly woman, a wise elderly woman in the the congregation who comes up to him after a service, undoubtedly. She says, I don't know who's gotten to you, but you're preaching to someone in the congregation. (laughs) I want you to go back to your study immediately and repent. Then I want you to prepare your sermon for next week in a manner to only please the Lord, not whomever you were preaching to today. So, good illustration. That's true for all of us as we cultivate our lives of trust, that we seek to please the Lord more than we fear the criticism or ridicule of others. And the fourth way we cultivate a life of trust is that through this ongoing practice of prayer, we've talked about getting to know Jesus in his word, taking actual steps of faith, 
we experience the perfect love of Jesus. And 1 John 4, 8 tells us this, that perfect love casts out fear. And I, I like that Joanna Weaver in her book, Having a Merry Spirit, speaks to this because I think this often is, is confused as well. She says, I must admit, I haven't always appreciated the perfect love part of this verse. Mm-hmm. To me, it only accentuated my failure because I feared I wasn't perfect and I certainly wasn't handing out anything that resembled perfect love. I soon realized I was entirely missing the meaning of this verse, for it is Christ's perfect love, not ours that banishes fear by making us right with God. Mm -hmm. Apart from Christ's service, the only thing we deserve is punishment. Even on our best days, the most perfect one of us could never approach the purity of divinity. In ourselves, we are eternally inadequate, perpetually vulnerable. No wonder fear and anxiety in our lives are stalk our lives when we don't understand this principle correctly. So I met a pastor's wife one time when I was speaking to at a conference for pastors and their and their spouses, and she said to me about this verse that it had always stood out to her, and she'd always been kind of a timid, fearful person. And she said, once I got this, I had this little saying I made up for myself to remember this. And I would say, allow God's love to no longer allow fear to interfere. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just a clever way of saying that. Allow God's love to no longer allow fear to interfere. Mm -hmm. And what a strengthening thing to experience, you know, Christ in us, his love for us. And that just does so much for us um, in 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 then our interaction with others. And so our fifth one is basically it kind of builds on the others so that when these things are happening in our lives, the cultivating trust through the prayer, through getting to know the Lord, through being strengthened uh, in our, or stretched, excuse me, stretched in our service of him and then experiencing Christ's love to us and then through us, our fears are then replaced with thankfulness. I think it comes outside of us. It comes from what God gives to us, just a thankful heart. And then what that does is it moves us toward the worship. And I think this cycle of cultivating this trust is what then develops this fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So we, I want to close with another quote from Joanna Weaver. She says, the longer I live, the more I realize how deeply I need peace. I'm learning, as Hudson Taylor did, and he was a missionary to China, that such peace is mine for the taking. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And I want you to catch that. My peace I give to you. You already have it. I I already have it. I just have to tap into that Mm -hmm. peace. I have to, you know, Mm -hmm. access that is what she's saying here. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to run. I don't have to fret. I don't have to fuss and primp and make myself acceptable. She says, I don't have to jump up and down to get attention or search for ways to escape blame by making others responsible um, for, you know, what I've done. Instead, I can trust my heavenly father whose perfect love is the answer for all my fears. So once again, if we want to live a life with fear, but not in fear, we have to allow God's perfect love to be enough so that fear does not interfere. So are you cultivating your trust of Jesus that then in turn will strengthen your fear of the Lord? Healthy fear begins with the fear of the Lord. 
Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Orlando Nina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website as well. God bless. Have a great week.